And uh, once again, welcome to uh, Swing Thoughts. This country's most unusual, can we say that? Unusual golf program. Great to be with you on uh, TSN. 1150 in Hamilton and uh, around the world on uh, iTunes. My name's Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show, golf spiritual leader along with the coach of the Guelph Griffins golf team and the uh, leader of uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca, Tim O'Connor. We're all leaders in our in our worlds. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't seem convinced. No, I just you know I'm I'm just uh, you know I'm just trying to think about how to get warmed up here and uh, how to get ready. Get ready. We're of course brought to you by Taylor Made. Adidas and Bushnell, the rangefinders, which are superior. Um, TaylorMade's drivers, what, I can't remember. What do you have, the M5 or the M6? M5. 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 Me too. I'm an M5 guy too. Yeah. The Twist Face, the M6, of course. I have an M6 uh, Rescue, I think. But I'll just say this. You know, I know it's kind of winding down here August, but now's a great time. To check out great deals on TaylorMade. Get fit, too. Of course, Adidas, look at you, festooned in the latest uh, golf fashion. Yeah, my brother, when I, I saw my brother out west a couple weeks ago, he says, I want that. And I, he, he almost had wrestled me to get it. But Are you talking I, about your brother, uh, Patrick O'Connor? Patrick O'Connor, yes. Who I once knew was just Pat, but... He's gone formal on me. Well, I, I like the guy. I've had some co- contact with him. He seems like a, a hail fellow, well met. Your brother Pat, who lives out west, my brother David, who also lives out west, are I'm happy to say two of our biggest fans. They are absolutely and good to have family. Yeah, part of it, you know, as, and they're part of the Swing Thoughts family. It's you know, all just such a lovely community. For oh. years and years, um, I would call my father Lou. Glassman, the patriarch of the Glassman clan. And I would call him and we would at first I would ask him for, you know, some tips about my golf swing. And then as time wore on, he used to call me. Now, that role of uh, golf Glassman guru for some alliteration has uh, I've now the mantle has been given to me and my older brother, my other brother, too, but more David. He will call me and almost every conversations about something going on in the backswing. Uh, mental stuff, the range session he just had. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I, I really like it. I I don't know. I just I find it very um, comforting. Well, as a younger child, are you being now recognized for your own aptitude and skill as opposed to being the little, sh- well, the little brother who is <clears throat> overlooked? Listen, I'll just say this, and, and, I, and, I, and to not a, no offense to anyone in my family, but I became Michael Corleone a long time ago, my friend. <laughs> A long time ago. <laughs> do, do your conversations also follow this type of arc? <laughs> hey, how you doing? How are the kids? How's the job going? Okay, now that we have that out of the way, now the important stuff. What's going on in your golf game? Yeah, yeah, ex- absolutely. We get through all that other BS very quickly. Uh, anyway, great to have everyone uh, with us today. Another episode as the uh, summer. Well, it's this. This have is we the weekend. Adidas yet? Have we discussed the amazing apparel that Adidas offers? people so they can look like pga tour players uh sure let's go back to that for a second what do you want to say 
that how amazingly wonderful <laughs> okay. Adidas apparel is. I All think right. that we made, I think, scant reference, but I just wanted to make sure we gave Adidas its full due. Uh, very good. So Adidas, amazing looking stuff. Uh, <laughs> and TaylorMade, get fit, get the M5, get the M6. Okay. This is basically the, uh, you know, once the CNE starts here in Toronto, I don't know about the rest of the world, but it's kind of one of those sign signs that, Summer is kind of winding down. A lot of parents know what I mean. In a couple of weeks, the kids go back to school. But in golf, um, because of the way they've manipulated the season, and I think they did a great job, by the way, and just in terms of all those events, starting with the players, then the Masters, the PGA, and on and on, one of those a month was great for me as a golf fan. I don't know, but what did you think of it? Absolutely. I think they paced it rather nicely. There was something, you know, through, through every month, there was something really big to look forward to. And so right now, we're into uh, the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup and all that good stuff. And, and that's what I was kind of getting at. Like, you know, it, it used to be the first few months of the season were not sort of, you know, fun to see. I always like watching golf in the winter because it gives us Canadians hope that somewhere on this planet, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> somewhere, yes, the sun exactly. is shining. There's green... There's green grass right. and golf balls being struck and rolled. But this year, you know, right away in March, there was a, a, a significant event. And so now they're the Tour Championships this weekend. You know, I don't want to get into it too much. It's kind of a convoluted system, but I like it. And, and, and we can talk about that maybe um, a little bit later. But what we kind of wanted to get to is one of the big things that's been whirling or swirling around the Tour and it's all going to tie into our, you know, our reason to be here, which is to talk about golf from a, a, a different perspective, the mental side, the more sort of softer side, if you will. But slow play has uh, become, I just read an article this morning, a, a Golf World timed Bryson DeChambeau during the first round yesterday to see if he really is as slow or fast or whatever. And, and for the most part, he was on time. But, yeah. but Tim, you brought this up, and I, I, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, just before the show, he's saying, how does slow play affect the average player? I think that often what it does is players watch, you know, you know historically to watch Jack Nicklaus pace around and Bernie Langer do the four-quadrant read on the greens and stuff. And I think actually what it does is it actually um, hurts the average player because they just tend to get too careful – uh, they, they're afraid they've made, say, the wrong decision. They stand over the club. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of like they go through this list like a pilot before takeoff. Yeah, checklist. Well, have they taken care of this, 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 and this? And my sense is they just get all tense and <laughs> can barely swing the club. So I think overall uh, playing slowly hurts players generally because it makes them, you know, careful and just trying to do the right thing get, and and they just get in their own way generally. Yeah. There, I think there's two types or there's more than, um, you know, it's not just you're, you're taking too much time and what do you, and what's going on during that time at the pro level. I think it's a little different. Like I don't believe Bryson DeChambeau or in the old days, Glenn, you know, all day. Remember Glenn day? Yep. That was exactly. his nickname on the tour. They're not Rain trying delay. to, re- they're not trying to remember, how to hit a golf ball. And I think a lot of slow play amongst amateurs is a little bit of that. They're going through that mental checklist. But but I think you're right when you say that, you know, we we golf fans see the best players in the world. And, of course, 
it, we start to emulate them, thinking, well, that must be the way to be a better player. But then you That's look what at you do. But then you look at Kepka, and you look at Dustin, and um, a few other players. I think Justin Thomas pretty quick. Yep. And, and you just see how qu- how briskly they go about the shot. After they've considered, you know, whatever they need to consider, they go and hit it. Yeah, they don't, and and they don't. They've taken so many swings that if you got a kind of a standard five iron off a flat line, what do you need to practice? Yeah, exactly. Just, just hit the darn thing. I remember, I remember seeing that with Mike Weir at uh, the Canadian Open uh, years ago, and this is when when Mike Weir was kind of in full flight. Um, yeah, he got to the ball and he got to business really quick. He and his caddy would just go through the data, yardage, wind, all that good stuff commit to the shot, boom, he was in, and it was gone. And I think that that is um, – it allows players, I think, to access their natural talent and, and play with a little bit more freedom. There's a lot of really interesting things that you can do uh, as a coach with players, and you can do it yourself too, to, to help you see that you don't need to go through all these machinations and, as I say, check the checklist and and think your way through it and just hit the darn thing. Well, what, I agree. Um, you know, I, I think what uh, gets in the in the way of a lot of amateurs, a lot of us, is that, you know, part of the average golfer, and, and you know, this may or may not resonate with everyone, there's a suspicion within us that we just don't really know what we're doing. Absolutely. And, and, um, and- and, and even veteran golfers that have been playing their whole lives, like you and I, we still have moments where we're like, "I'm not sure I know what I'm doing." So exactly. that's a different, that's a yeah. different type of slow play where you're like, kind of standing. I mentioned this last week where you're standing over the ball and you're frozen. <laughs> because, yeah. Well, you stand over the ball and go like, "What was I yeah, working on?" I've what, done that. What's, the, what's my precious swing thought? Exactly. I've done that like, so many times, and I'm like, I th- I just forgot what the magic thing I was thinking of was. I wonder like if Jeff, I can. Yeah, it's like Jeff Goldblum and Annie Hall when he's on the phone. He goes, "I forgot my mantra." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. And, and and golfers hang on to swing thoughts around the motion like a mantra. Yet you and I have spent a, a very great amount of time. Uh, in our lives, uh, a lot recently in the last three or four years, thinking about these things and talking to people. And, and all we can pass on at this moment in the podcast is that after a certain number of years, few years in golf, you know, you have all the everything you need to know, you know, you've already got you've it. already got like, I mean, and the weird thing about the game is once you and I learned how to ride a bike when we were kids, we never revisited our bike riding technique. Continually, <laughs> that's, right. that's right. You got it, or you don't. It's like that's funny. Yeah. Well, I think that you and I, we, we've been talking about this. Uh, it's been a theme of the last few weeks. Is that I think we've both, uh, maybe it's that we're uh, elder statesmen now. Uh, we've matured, or we've just uh, gone to a new level of consciousness <laughs> about our transitions. You were saying how, you know, if you hit a bad shot these days, you're you're you don't get all charged up and you know immediately utter like you know the f word and. You get that kind of like charge of electricity going through your body anymore, and I've noticed the same things in myself. And like last night, I was playing, and um, I cold topped the shot, and, and rather than thump the club and and uh, get angry, I started to laugh. But the key thing is that 
I don't default now to going through my Rolodex, if you will, of swing thoughts. Like, what am I supposed to do with my hands or shift my weight or anything? It's just, oh, let that go. Put the shot away and get on to the next one. And I think that's what a lot of golfers do. They they if they start to struggle, they got the pulls going or something. They start to think, okay, what's that thing that I do? And so what I would just invite you to do, folks, is just to kind of let that stuff go and and just go through your process and and, and hit the darn ball. Well, you know, I, I agree that, you know, it's not just this year. Like, like I said earlier in the show a few weeks ago, like all these things, you know, I started talking to Paul Dooland uh, in the summer of 2014. I've been reading books about this my whole life, but Paul was the first you know, mental performance coach in the sport of golf I ever spoke to. So in four or five summers, it's just starting to become unconscious the way I play golf in terms of my reaction and the way I go about my business a little bit. Having said that, we both know, and I'm going to give you an example in this show at some point. I have two examples of all this is theoretical until you got a little push on you. Yeah, As you, you found go. out in the club championship a few weeks ago, <clears throat> that's it, it's but it's it's in the everyday application of these ideas that we share that help you when the pressure does increase a little bit. You know, you have a match or club championship or in this case, I'm going to describe in a few minutes, maybe when you start to play really well or you because. When you're playing really poorly, I think a lot of people think that's what we're talking about. You know, you cold chop a, a shot. What's your reaction? Recovery is more important than remorse. And if you right. think about why I, I topped that shot all the way to the next shot, you're not really in the moment anymore. You're in some kind of, as you say, going through your Rolodex of what happened. And the swing thoughts are going to cure it. And also what tends to happen, I think, with people, if they uh, conversely, when they play well, particularly say in a tournament is they they slow down they yeah. start to become more careful they take more time because it, it means more there's more sort of at stake and, and that and that slowing down the game hurts hurts you as a player and it hurts your competitors and it just ain't very good for so for the people on the course either when you cold top that shot did you did you react i mean after you laugh which is by the way um According to one of the books I read this winter, it might be golf from point A, but they talk about that, laughing. Mm. Laughing has a reaction. What it does to your body is it right away um, neutralizes the rush oh, of cortisol. Because cool. as soon as you hit a bad shot, we get that fight or flight uh, hormone yep. release, and that's what happens. You get that feeling of flushed. You know, It's like when you're on stage. But laughing at it literally neutralizes it. That's cool. You're and, cool. By the way, I, I, I finally, after you talking about this book, Ad... Ad nausea? Ad nausea, and that was it. Uh, I ordered that book yesterday, so it's winging its way to me now. I've just read, I've read it six times. I can't <laughs> stop reading it. I should have just asked you a question I'm, instead of getting uh, it. Ask me. So, and also, also on the show today, uh, Tim and I <clears throat> are going to talk about our individual sessions with the great guru, Fred Shoemaker. Yes. Did you? Was, um, are you going to talk yes, to him again? I was, I was looking forward to uh, to revisiting. You and I talked privately. Yes. 
on the phone with yes. each other, but uh, now we're going to do it publicly. Yeah, so are, have you fun. scheduled another session with him? No, no, not yeah, yet. I know. I'm, I'm going to give it a, a little bit of time for the great thinking and counsel to well <laughs> to, to to move it and see how I start incorporating it into my life. I want to. Um, I'm going to talk to him just before the uh, Canadian seniors and um, about some specific things. Like cool, but um, <clears throat> yeah. It's uh, we had we both had a great conversation. Fred Shoemaker, for you people who don't know, wrote a book years ago that uh, that we both loved called Extraordinary Golf. Tim has actually uh, how many um, like you've gone and done the coaching session. What else I've have been you done to with him? Three workshops with him, like in, it, th- when he came to Canada, and I went to Palm Springs for his coaching workshop, uh, a three day event there. So it was like the Uber intensive with Fred Shoemaker. So the other night, um, we uh, we we both play in uh, Club Link has a, a bunch of men's nights. You play at Blue Springs. And by the way, are we playing in the same group this weekend? Boy, I'd love that. I know it'd be great. No, we're not uh, on on Saturday. Um, I'm off twelve oh three, and I think you're off twelve thirty ish or something. But we're not in the same group. But. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get paired. I was thinking, wouldn't it be something we got paired against each other in the singles I would or love something? It. We should ask. Um, where, there's this thing that's called the Ryder Cup. Uh, it's Blue Springs versus Glen Karen. And uh, I've never played on this team. And the only reason I got on was uh, uh, one of the qualifications is to win the club championship. So I won that last year, the senior. So I got asked to be on the team. And I was like, oh, yeah, I would like that. Oh, it's it's fun. It's a it's a lot of oh, fun. Oh, it's fun for you guys, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. I why don't you won. get to the fact that Glenn Karen never wins it? And why is <laughs> that? Um, uh, there's been some, um, I'll say, griping, uh, yeah. complaining, whining, perhaps from the All Glenn Karen side that the uh, because the final the the singles has historically been at Blue Springs uh, with its diabolical greens that uh, us guys with the local knowledge have the advantage, but also that the handicaps weren't quite fair. So we'll see this year, given that um, the team match is at Blue Springs on the Saturday tomorrow and the singles is Sunday at Glencairn. So, well, I'm thrilled to be in any event where I can hang out with you a little bit. We can, you know, warm up. We can be jocular. I can look I you in being, the eye and see how you're really feeling. I love being jocular. <laughs> yeah, it, maybe I'll give you that Raymond Floyd uh, blast of winter. You know, you'll say yeah, hi, and I, right. I, won't even, I won't even acknowledge you. I'll just stare. Yeah, what, cut you, to you, tomorrow. You'll, you'll look at me, and you'll be like, I need a hug. I need a hug right now. <laughs> Exactly. I need a hug from the 27th ranked. 27. Yeah, don't be intimidated. When I come on the range tomorrow, I mean, it'll be weird for you, but you can still talk to me. It will. And you'll be strutting. You'll be strutting. And and I know that you look fabulous in your Adidas. My Adidas. Yes, my Adidas stuff. Will you be wearing long pants or shorts? No, no. I, I, I used to be a long pants guy, and then I when the I just thought I just gave that up. Like because I, I used to think, well, if I'm in a tournament, I want to wear long pants, so I'm a professional. But I, I don't need the pants. I'm, I'm the long fine. pants do look good. I like the look. Of long <clears throat> yeah, me pants. too. So, just before we take our first break <laughs> on um our, on our men's night the other night, you are you are right. This is a weird show. We're talking about why we like long on pants. on our men's night the other night. Um. Did you wear long pants? I didn't. So 
we, we, we've often talked about golf when things go bad and uh, how do you handle it and, and, you know, how to best get things going sort of your way again. And, and a lot of it is how you it's all it's all up to you. As we've said, it's all your choice, how you want to react and respond. But sometimes my mental um, game gets tested when I'm playing well. And uh, traditionally, as a golfer, I tend to start off fairly neutral. You know, I'll make some bogeys or pars, and, you know, I kind of ease into the round. And I, I, I don't know why that is. It just kind of, I it traditionally, you know, I, I'll start off sometimes a little rough in tournaments. But the other night, for the second time in a month, I started birdie, birdie, par, birdie, birdie. Yeah, so I'm four under I, after five. Yeah, I'm on the sixth tee. I've been on the golf course an hour and whatever twenty minutes, and I'm four under par. What's that? Did you ask what the course record is? No, you know the funny thing is, and I thought a lot about this. I want to talk about it with Fred, but Fred Shoemaker, not not Fred Patterson, although he'd probably have some. Um, (laughs) I I don't think I started to get ahead of myself because about three. Whenever the last time I played men's night, I started birdie birdie par, and then I went on to chaos. So. And I, by the way, on the third hole, I lipped out birdie. So I could have had five in a row. Like, it really wasn't Yikes. that big a deal. But I, but, but I sort of had this, I thought I had this feeling of, hey, I'm cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> one shot at a time. It. That's called foreshadowing. You know, I'm cool. I think I'm cool. <laughs> and and I was so, so trying to, like, just be nonchalant about it. And I was playing a match against a very good buddy of mine named Tom Olazinski. And we do, there's, it's not an official match, but we have a, this group of us that play a sort of, we, there's about 20 of us that play games against each other. And I, it was my turn to play Tom. And I was, he was even par after five and four down. Yipes. And um, <laughs> so I, I, I want to just share this with you because I can tell you it felt Great. Like, obviously, it's kind of cool, especially after the fourth birdie went in, because my goal every day is to make four birdies. And I thought, well, took care of that, you know, kind of thing. And then for reasons, and I on one of the easiest holes on the golf course, I wasn't even hitting a driver. It's a, it's the, you know, Glen Cairn. It's like the fourth hole on Scotch Block. It's 315 yards. Usually I hit a four iron or my gapper, Taylor made gapper. Uh, and gap wedge. So it's literally, I hit a 210 yard shot and a gap wedge, but for reasons that I still can't explain, I snap hooked it into the trees. And, uh, it was kind of a shock to my system because yeah. that's not what I was aiming at. And you probably didn't laugh. I did laugh actually. Oh, good. good. Yeah, I, I did. Like, I, 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 I just reacted like, well, well, that, you don't see that every day. And then mm-hmm. I reteed it, made a par with my second ball and I went on. You made a par with your second ball. Yeah, and so wow. I made another double bogey a few holes later. Same thing, you know, for oh. reasons I couldn't really explain at the time. For, and I haven't been hitting it left at all, but I did. So the, the short of it is I went on to make two more birdies for the day. I made six birdies on the round and shot even par. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah. But but i look back at it so and i thought to myself why is it what what was it about the moment that i couldn't turn you know six birdies into four under par because mm-hmm. the two doubles that i made were doubles i don't normally make so it just goes to show you that that these processes we talk about are you you need to be ever vigilant with them because Absolutely. maybe i rushed my tee shot on that sixth hole maybe i didn't 
quite have my target picked out. Maybe I wasn't quite ready to hit it. Yeah. So I would ask you, as you, if you kind of try to revisit this, and you may even close your eyes, uh, <laughs> is where was where was your consciousness? What were you th- what were you aware of? Well, this is what I want to talk about when we come back, because you know this is going to happen to people listening. You're going to have rounds where, you know, maybe in the middle of the round, or maybe at the beginning or the end, things are going to start to be maybe going better than you uh, expect, or maybe they're better than you've ever had. And what can you do? Coach Tim will talk about it when we come back. Uh, great to be here on TSN 1150 Hamilton. Brought to you by TaylorMade, Adidas, and Bushnell. This is Swing Thoughts. We'll be right back. Sound of the river, you stop and you hold everything. A band is blowing Dixie, double fall time. Feel all right when you hear the music ring. And uh, welcome back, everybody. It's uh, Swing Thoughts. I'm Humble Howard along with Tim O'Connor. Always great to have uh, all of you uh, hanging out with us. Brought to you by Adidas, TaylorMade, and Bushnell Range Finders. We didn't want to uh, tip our our hand because we weren't sure if it was all going to come together. But, Tim, are you there? I am here, yes. Beautiful. Uh, We have a a very special guest uh, with us. Uh, only for a couple minutes, um, but both uh, Tim and I have known this character for uh, half of our semi-adult lives, <laughs> and um, it, it's it's really imp- it, w- it would take all the time we had to explain just how much how qualified this man is and how much affection that both of us have for him. But a few weeks ago, uh, he just gave us a quick call for our 100th anniversary, and we thought we'd get him on. And just have a, a quick chat another time. Please welcome back to our program the uh, this con- one of this country's finest golf professionals and nicest people in the game, Mark Evershed. Hello, Mark Evershed. Wow. I, I don't know if I can live up to that one, guys. Well, you can and you have, and uh, I'm all the and confidence. You and you do. Thank you. Mark Evershed, um, forget, let's, let's forget about where you are and what you've done. Let's just t- get right into this. What what is some of the barriers that you have seen in all the years you've been doing this? What are some of the barriers to learning that you've seen? Wow, what a great question. I mean, that we could go on for hours and should one day or maybe write a book. But, it, you know, the hardest thing I, I tell everybody, guys, is that the hardest thing is to know what you did right when you did it. And in this game, I mean, you better have some confidence. And if you don't know what you did right when you did it, yeah. You know, it's kind of hard to do it again. But, you know, a lot of golfers will go, well, this weekend, I or I saw something on the Golf Channel, I went out, and for the first few holes, you know, everything was clicking, and then it went away. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, about three years ago, I started going down the avenue and trying to figure out why people lose it. You know, I always, I always, I, I never found it very hard to get people to get it, but... You know, everybody uh, 700 years now would prove that uh, nobody's ever get it and caught, uh, got it and kept it. So, 
obviously we lose it. So I just went down the track of, you know, why do people kind of lose their golf swing? And you were one of the, the biggest reason is is because we, we want to believe in this muscle memory thing, and, and there's no such thing. So, you know, I just kind of break it down and, you know, get your hands working properly, get your arms working properly, and finish good. Um, Shed, how much of that is... How, Shed, how much of that is intellectual knowledge of how the swing works versus just drawing on your natural talent and maybe just hitting a ball towards the target? Uh, I think I think if you went into it with that process, you'd be light years ahead of just waiting for your muscles to remember it. I mean, I think what we do, guys, I think we get we get screwed up when we think it's all mental or it's all physical. Well, it's not. It's a combination of both. So you, you just can't turn your brain off and go send your body out there and do it. I mean, you kind of have to try to understand what you're doing when you did it. And it's really not as tough as we make it out. Well, it is now because we have the Golf Channel and YouTube and uh, 10,000 guys telling you what to do. So <laughs> I think it's harder now than it was 50 years well, ago. Well, what, what I think, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think Mark's getting at, and I, I totally buy into this because... You know, I've hit a lot of golf balls sitting next to Mark Evershed, and we've, we've been talking a lot about this lately, Tim, that if there were ever a couple of guys that tried to, through repetition, lose a, learn a golf swing, it was us. And what I think Mark's getting at is, yeah, I mean, once you have it, what is it you have? And, and a lot of it is what Hebron talks about, it's what Shoemaker talks about is, once you can function and, and functionally move the ball around, then, you know, how much longer do you have to keep learning a swing? How many more repetitions of the backswing would you need before you were confident that you had one? Well, I think that's a well, great I think, point. I think, I think so much of it is you get disconnected from your body, and you, you, you try and think your way through this thing that should be happening naturally. Like, if you thought about trying to walk upstairs and do it correctly, you'd fall down. But I think that when when I'm just kind of conscious, we talked about this a little bit earlier, when I'm conscious of my body and what I'm doing, it can it can do what it's capable of doing. You know what you could do, though, Tim? I'll tell you what you can do, and I'll tell you what what's the, the hardest part about it is. Golf is so counterintuitive that it's fooled much smarter people than you and I and if if we could just kind of have a basic course in, here's what you did right when you did it, then you wouldn't be going down so many paths. So I think I'd okay. How, how come we how come we get watch the golf channel and one guy says this and everybody that whole day tries to go out and do that and then it doesn't work. I mean we keep getting knocked off course and I but I totally agree with you. The body can do it. You know, the brain can do it. Well, I, Shed, I said in the earlier segment, I said, you know, once, and this this will resonate, I think, with Mark, once, once you've learned to balance on a bike, on a two-wheel bike, you spend almost no time going back and doing bike yeah. repetitions to remember how to ride a bike. And what Mark, what Mark's saying a lot through a lot of what he teaches these days is once you can balance yourself, once you're balanced on top, uh, level, whatever you want to use it, once you're in that situation, then you don't really have to keep remembering how to ride the bike every time you stand over the ball. That, that's 
that's a great way to put it. But the only again, the only problem with golf is it has a tendency to fool you. It's a it's a brilliant brilliant game, you know. Which gets I find it more fun the more I study it because I recognize its brilliance is how much trying to trick you, and 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 what you got to try to do is not let it. Mark's saying that you gotta, you know, you gotta not let golf trick you because a lot. And then you and your point about watching the Golf Channel or, or so many tips online now is that what that's fine for people. I think tips distract people, Tim. I think what they do is they go, "Oh, I, I'm going to concentrate today about going back low and slow." But what it does is it takes your mind away for a second so that the rest of your swing can work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said many times, if we try to direct our bodies with our with our minds, I think that's when we really get screwed up um, because the the body doesn't speak words; it speaks images and awarenesses. That's how that's how it works. And I just think that when we're caught up in our heads and trying to direct our bodies to do something, we're just gumming up the works. It's like throwing sand in the gears. No, I think it's a really good value in in that. Now, 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 Tim, would would me? I show an awful lot of people on the practice see the images of Ben uh, uh, George Newton in his finished position. Is that a thought? No, that's an image. Okay, so so I what what a cool it would be for us here in Canada to get the world to recognize that images, you know, maybe shouldn't be thought as a thought. So there's nothing wrong with working into images. But when we think of thoughts, we think of elbows and knees and hips, and I totally agree that you can't swing a golf club efficiently thinking about all that stuff. But within a picture, all that stuff's happening anyway. And, and Mark, that's what Tim's saying, that you know, when you, when you stand over a golf ball, the average person is going through this mental checklist, yep. these gymnastics, if you will. And, and you know, Mark and I have been hitting some balls the last six months or so. We've been talking a lot of golf. And um, one of the things that I feel now over a golf ball is I feel balanced and I feel in harmony, if you will. And I don't get too esoteric. And I just know I'm going to hit it because I'm not thinking about where I am in the backswing anymore. You know what I think about it? Um, one of the things Mark and I have talked a lot about is the basics. Where are you aimed? Where's the ball? Where's your weight? How's your setup? I mean, Nicholas said that in one of his books, you know, 90% or plus percent of the golf swing happens before you hit the ball. I think images, guys, is, could be the next biggest breakthrough in golf is to understand how important imagery of what it is you're about to do. And I don't mean the golf ball, I mean you. Whereas within those images, all those body parts they talk about are happening anyway. So I, I, I think we have not explored. I think we think in 2019 we, we know it all, and we sure don't. But when I say that, Tim, I don't mean – I think we know every single detail of a golf swing, but I don't know – I'm not too sure we're yet that smart of knowing how to put it all together without having to dissect everything. Well, Mark, we want to get you in here for a I, – I, I don't – I think we, we need a, a full show where we're all in the studio. We can all see and hear one another uh, and go on a deep dive. In the meantime, you know, Evershed is available uh, for a, a special kind of golfer. Uh, Mark Evershed, if anyone would like to uh, 
you just get a hold of me or Tim. If I mean, Mark, would you? If if somebody were really interested, would you take on some new students? I I love anybody that that really wants to get better. I'm not I'm not very good in giving little nice little tips. I'm a whole lot better in building golf swings than I am in trying to just give it a tip to fix it. Well, I can tell you, uh, we've been uh, hitting balls together since uh, the 1990s, and uh, mm-hmm. the last couple of times we've been on a range together, we don't hit a lot of golf balls, but we we certainly I, I certainly feel like I've learned a lot, not just from you, but with you, and it seems to me your teaching has changed as well, and I think if anyone were interested, it's... It's a pretty great conversation. If you get a chance to talk to Mark Evershed, considering all the golfers and all the people that you've had a chance to be around. Including Mo Norman. Um, Mark is one of the key guys for bringing a lot of recognition to Mo Norman um, late in Mo's life. You did some amazing video with with Mo that uh, was just replayed on uh, golf digest recently and it's um it's amazing and, and mark you're the you're the reason i got to meet mo norman and led me to uh writing my book on mo the feeling of greatness so i've always owed a huge debt to you for for making that introduction to me well that's okay so i'm now getting goosebumps thank you very much. <laughs> uh Tim, you know in all honesty if it wasn't for you and i i'm not so sure you know, certainly Todd Graves, but you and I sort of got it started, did we not? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, Sheds, let's get you in here, and anyone who wants to get a hold of Mark, get a hold of Tim or I, and uh, we'll be happy to hook you up. Mark, I'll, I'll see you uh, in the next week or so, okay, pal? You guys are the best. Thanks, Thank my you. friend. Bye. That's Mark Evershed. Mark Evershed, everybody. I didn't, I don't, you know, I didn't want to, hold on. I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time going over his credentials, but they're ridiculous. One of the first guys to ever have, I think, a second uh, invitation to teach on the Golf Channel. I mean, this guy is, his pedigree oh, yeah. is ridiculous. He coached uh, Ian Leggett, who won a PGA Tour event. He's worked with uh, Gil Morgan. And I can tell you, the work that I do with him is so different now than when we first started working out together years ago. It really was. You know, here's some positions that you need to get to in the golf swing. And, you know, I spent a good five years trying to do that to, you know, to lesser or greater success. But but now it's all about balance. It's all so about he's really evolved from that way, way different now. Way That's different. So cool. I'd love to. You know what? I'm really overdue for spending some time with him on a range because I'd love to experience that. Um, because I remember that when I first met him, it was like, um Man, he used to talk about the hands so much and everything, and it kind of confused me to some degree. Well, and I think Mark would be the first to tell you that, you know, his it's cool because Mark has got such, I say, such a background and pedigree and sort of traditional golf instruction, even though it was world class, it still was of a certain nature. And now he's more aligned with Hebron, more aligned with Shoemaker, and that Mark Mark has come to the conclusion, and it's what's really helped me personally, is that that there are just certain balances and body pressures that, that tend to lead to better results. He doesn't talk anything anymore about where your hands are and, and positions. It's more about just getting ready to hit the golf ball. Because I'll tell you from personal experience, when I feel balanced, and I'm sure you feel the same, 
when there's sort of a feeling in your body of balance, it just seems like you're you're going to hit the ball better. We've all experienced that. Yeah, you feel way more comfortable, and just it just there's a feeling of of just this is going to be okay. <laughs> I'm well, going to be fine, and it's an innate sense. It's a subconscious. Yeah. Like we were talking in the first segment uh, about my tee shot after being four under through five, I snap hooked a, a gap. Like I was literally hitting something that I normally don't even think about hitting, and all of a sudden it went in the trees. And you ask me what was I thinking? Well, I know one thing: I wasn't in balance. The ball right. in my personal game, when the ball sneaks forward in my stance. Now, this is to your point about awareness. When I'm not aware of where that ball is, it tends to go forward, mm-hmm. and therefore I sort of, if I don't slide correctly, and another, you know, all sorts of bad crap happens. So. When I feel the ball's in the right spot, that my eyes are in the right, they're looking down the target line as opposed to the right, all sorts of stuff that lead to better balance. Yeah, and I think that that includes, uh, you know, in terms of what's going on for us mentally, emotionally. Um, I know that recently, so I was in the, I'll try and be really quick here, but um, I was in the uh, match play, gross match play, playing against the defending club champ, Tom Nowak, and I'm even after 11 with him. I'm thinking, hey, this is pretty good. He makes an incredible birdie on number 12 at Blue Springs, and it's kind of like, oh, right, game on. (laughs) Now here's where it gets serious. And then I pulled my approach into the the woods, and it was a slow death from there because I had the sense that, that kind of like mentally, emotionally, now this was like serious and it was a little, there's a bit more at stake. And I wasn't even aware of it, how that manifested itself in my body through tension, through quickness. And, and you know, I, I was just not as connected as, as I was to the club, to the target or anything. And I think that's, I don't know, are we anywhere close to what maybe your experience was? Well, a- a- absolutely. And, and then, Listen, we've all experienced golf when it goes bad. It happens, you know, You know, one of the vagaries of the game is that, you know, you lose a lot. You know, you're always kind of, you know, most golf tournaments, only one person wins. And in golf, the game, we, we're always kind of, golf wins most of the time. But on the, yeah. on the odd occasion when you seem to have it, it's also unnerving. And whether yeah. that means for the average player, if you're, you know, you got a couple of holes to go and you know you can break your personal best, whatever that is, I promise you, you'll start to feel differently. And in that match that you were in, you know, everything was kind of going along and you were feeling good. And then all of a sudden, you know, a better player, like, you know, the old saying in golf, eventually everyone's handicap shows up. Now, that's a, a hackneyed saying, but it's true for a reason. Oh, absolutely. Because somewhere in that match everything started to go but it didn't have to it just did yeah absolutely and i think that what we've talked about a few times again on the show is how we get disconnected from our body and we don't even know sometimes what we're actually feeling it's like the journeyman player who finds him or herself in contention in a major suddenly their body is different there's they they haven't maybe experienced their body like that before and so i think that maybe what's happened for you i mean you've had a number of rounds where you've been even par this year you know flirting with under and i think it's a process of you getting used to that so it's the same way if someone's um going to break 90 for the first time 
Well, they're going to be excited. They're going to be a little more jacked up. They're, and so their timing's going to change a little bit. And so I think what happens for players who've kind of been in the fire a little bit more, they're able to adjust and go, oh, yeah, I have a tendency to swing quick. So maybe I need to walk slower. Maybe I even need to, you know, uh, talk slower or just do something to adjust to their to their new reality. No, I think that's that's very good and sage advice, Mister O'Connor. Oh. Um, that, would, that would denote wisdom. So, mm. in the Open Championship this year, a guy that had been number one in the world and had you know was a, a peer of Tiger Woods is uh, he won the Open Championship back in the day, and now he's a TV analyst. He shot. 92. I'm talking about David Duvall. Oh, yes. And he did it with such grace and good sportsmanship and all that. The, the reason I bring it up is because that guy was the best player on planet Earth in his life, but also shot 92. The point I'm making is that it's a tough game, and and it can be tough on any of us. And uh, I and I say this with affection because I'm about to bring up a, a guy that's been a regular contributor to our show, who recently had probably one of his worst rounds in competition since he was 11. And I'm talking about the man mountain that is Charles Fitzsimmons. Oh yes, oh my God, yes. So Charles has won the Canadian University Championships this year, the Ontario Mid Am. He won a tournament in Scotland. He's currently ranked. He's the 2,000th ranked amateur in the world. Now, that may not sound like much, but it's insane how good that is. But I think in Ontario, he's ranked number four. <laughs> oh, no. In, in Ontario, he's – well, I think he's ranked – isn't he ranked first or second? No, he's behind Garrett Rank. He's behind uh, Rank. Oh, yeah. So he's got yeah, amateur. He's the second-ranked mid-am in Ontario. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a few weeks ago, he plays the Canadian amateur. I think that's what it was. It was, yep. And in the first round, and I didn't know what the number was. I had just heard from some mutual friends, hey, your boy Chucky had a tough time. And I wrote him a note. I said, hey, you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> so I, <laughs> caught, I caught up with him this week. And I'm like, dude, what happened? And I never asked him what the number was. And he talked to me. And, and, and what he described was what every golfer goes through. He, he got down on himself early. And this is a guy who does this for a living. Exactly, a PhD. He's a PhD in golf. Like a smart dude. He, and, and he just described his round to me, Tim, the same way that I would you, you would me. It, he said, I got down on myself early and I couldn't get out of it. And he said, no matter what I thought, no matter what I was doing, I just, it just was one of those days. He shot yeah. 89 and 70 the next day. It's almost a twenty shot difference. My golly! And and we're we're describing a guy that we're not doing how good he is justice. So, talking to him was great for me because I've you know we've all been there. I know it sounds trite to say it, but we have, and everyone listening has been there. And what the the lesson I think for me and the the takeaway I would hope for others is, it just goes to show you that on some days the game gets you. And you just have to decide, well, am I a bad person? No. Golf's a tough game, and tomorrow I'll do better, hopefully. Yeah, my, my dad used to say, golf giveth and taketh away. 
although it mostly take us. <laughs> yeah. But that's, it's against, that's a way better way of saying what I said earlier, which is you just lose most of the time. Exactly. But again, to, to your point that um, it's, it's about the recovery. Yeah. It's about you, you hit your cold top a shot or you, you, you bogey the last couple of holes. This is how do you recover from that? Or do you get plunged into the story of, oh, my God, here we go again? And that sort of spiral vortex of death uh, in which you drive home beating the living crap out of yourself. And, and that leaves a huge impression because the next time you're in that situation – those emotions, that experience comes up. So the more we can just kind of like, oh, yeah, that happened, and perhaps laugh it off or just leave it. I mean, that is the thing that what great players do. I've watched, Rory McIlroy has been doing it all year. And so there he is um, yesterday. He shoots uh, a 66 to bring himself, you know, one back of FedEx. Well, up and down all year. I mean, if he didn't, if he wasn't resilient and able to let go of things, you wouldn't see Rory keep coming back like he does. Well, and, you know, the way your father put it, it giveth and it taketh away, but mostly it taketh. And 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 so in knowing that and being maybe more mature about that idea, like I, I told you, I, I shot uh, even par, but I bogeyed the last couple holes. I three-putted the last that hole. That was my reference. That I was three, my reference. I three-putt the last hole. To not shoot under par. I mean, I could, I could have been all sour about the experience, but I was kind of like mostly enjoying the idea that you know, okay, I got myself in that situation. It was exciting. Here's how it, you know, and what I want to do is so the next time I'll go. What you said, okay, let's slow down a little bit. Maybe let somebody else go. Just you know, that's it. I should. I'll just have that. So okay, here I am again. And here's how I'm going to choose to react. Listen, everybody. As always, we'll uh, we've gone over our time. Uh, we'll continue a uh, little podcast extra. Do you have time for five more minutes? Hundred percent. Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca, HumbleandFredRadio.com. We'll see you next week on Swing Thoughts. All right. Well, um, hi, everybody. Oh, there we go. Sorry about that. Hi, everybody. We're still here. We're Um, back. Or we're still here. You know, what you said about, um, you know, building a story that you can, that is good for you, as opposed to that story of, oh, crap, here I go. Like, I've really, I think I've become happier uh in my day-to-day world and it's it, whether I can't tell if it's golf has given me this or this has given me that but I'll give you an example I'm driving to my lady's house last night and I live in Toronto and it's a fucking madhouse here and I leave my house at 5:15 and I'm going to pick up something for dinner on the way and she lives about 15 minutes from my house at 6:20 <laughs> I walk into her apartment and uh and she said, oh, was, I told her, I saw I, traffic was crazy. The Dundas was closed. And, uh. and, uh, and uh, but I wasn't wearing any of it because what I chose to do with my time for that hour is not get frustrated because and I, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm like, if I can't get through this, 
how am I going to get through the Canadian Senior Amateur, which is going to be fraught, which is going to be fraught with stress. So I literally am practicing that feeling of, well, I guess I'll just be sitting here on Dundas for the next 20 minutes, and uh, um, I'm cool with it. You're being a good Buddhist from Moose Jaw. You were practicing equanimity. Moose Buddhist. Yeah, which is like, you know, some good stuff happens. Hey, that's great. That's fine. It, yeah. we're, you know, I, I enjoy it. Bad stuff happens. Oh, well, I'll just ride this out and uh, the bad stuff will be over soon. Yeah. That's it. I've dispensed my wisdom. Oh, I don't. I don't agree. I'm sure you. Ha- there's got to be more. <laughs> um, anyway, Charles Fitzsimmons, he will be. Uh, I, so. Here's where he's at this week. He's playing in the uh, Canadian Mid-Am. And uh, today he will tee off in the last group uh, after rounds of 71, 67, and 70. He is one stroke behind the guy that I believe the guy won it last year. He's from uh, somewhere in the States, a guy named Joseph Duraney. Oh, so it's not rank, eh? Oh, yeah, it's rank. No. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, uh, Garrett Rank is, you know, he's the best amateur in Canada. He played in the U.S. Open last year. He's the NFL ref. I played a, you know, uh, NHL ref. And I'm sorry, NHL ref. I've, I mean, this year alone, I've, I've been at, at least one tournament with Garrett. I've, I've last year I played a bunch of tournaments. The last couple of years, I've, I've been around the guy, and I, I don't really know him. I don't have much to say about him as a guy, but I can tell you from watching him tee off and seeing him warm up like he's in a he's a different it's a different character i get it um but rank is very very good at recovery i'm looking at rank's scorecard from yesterday and he starts the day uh at he's leading double bogeys the first hole moves on bunch of pars then a few birdies then a bogey then another bogey then a birdie then an eagle you know what I mean? Like, he, he just keeps moving forward. And and I respect that about him because, you know, that is a very, you know, I I think what separates golfers from tournament golfers and then good tournament players from average players like myself is is that. It's the ability to just keep moving forward no I, matter I, I, what happens. And, and you're not average in any in anything you do, pal. Um, yeah, going forward, that's a that's a great way to, to to look at whether it's just a couple of you know one hole after another or one round after another. So to go back to what you were talking about, yeah, you uh, you bogeyed your last two holes, you three putted. Yeah, it would have been nice to be under par, but you three putted. So to me, the key piece is that. What did you learn from that? Mm-hmm. And like, because, because it's not static. Again, it's almost like yoga, you know, we don't talk, it's like yoga practice. And, and, and uh, you know, it's like woo stuff, folks, but, you know, life is practice, life is journey, and it's never static. Whatever happens isn't a, isn't a defining moment. It's just another moment in, in many moments. So what you're doing, Sounds to me, it's like you're learning from these and moving on. I remember my son, Sean, and um, Sean was a AAA hockey player, uh, done a ton of work. And so he was really invested emotionally in, in, in hockey games. And sometimes 
things wouldn't go well. He'd take an untimely penalty or maybe just make a mistake, give the puck up. And I always said, hey, pal, don't be dwelling on this and, and, and beating yourself up and creating a story. You just take the situation, yeah, maybe work through what you felt, but what's the learning you took and move the hell on. Well, that, that idea, that, that is the, um, that I think is the poison for human beings, is the story that we create, not just for ourselves, but it's like, and golfers know what I'm talking about. This isn't woo-woo at all. This is facts. Every, as you move through your round, as we do, what we tend to do is link episodes into chapters, which becomes the book of the round, which is why that old joke about, hey, let me tell you about my round and the uh, my the guy at the national Joe Rice used to say, "Am I going to need a cart for this story?" Exactly. But, but uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but the thing is, the reason we like to read on the fifteenth hole, I well, because what we're really saying is, I'm better than this. Absolutely. And here's why I wasn't as good as I think I should be today. But the reason we all roll our eyes when that guy starts to tell us about his round. It's because we all have those stories. It just depends what I love. It depends how invested you want to get in them. Because there have been times in my life where I would have three-putted that hole, not been able to go in and have dinner, gone to the putting green, and sentenced to myself to an hour of putting drills. Like, Because mm-hmm. like, I would have thought I, that I just didn't measure up. Or, fuck, here I go again. Or, why didn't I shoot 66? And what I thought was when I left and I went in and had dinner, I thought, you know, that's interesting, Howard, because what was it about that particular situation that, that and, I've, and it's happened to me a couple times. Listen, I watched a guy who's uh, ranked eighth in the world miss a similar putt. People miss putts. It doesn't it have, it's not a footnote in your golf story. It just happens. Absolutely. And that's the, and that's what really allows us to, to really, access you know the the experience we've got and what what i refer to as the gold the stuff that's within us that's there that's just that's just if we just kind of stay out of the way and let it go and the way we get in our own way is creating those stories right those stories that sort of like you know in moments of stress i am you know a choker i am a loser i'm a bad bunker player i'm you know i'm bad at short putts that stuff can creep in folks but if if you can just kind of catch yourself and go you know, well, that's not necessarily true. That is just a story. Where's the data to back that up? Now, you know, you might make a case, well, I do this and this and this. The more that you can kind of let, just let go of that stuff and and just get on with it, the more you're actually dealing with reality as opposed to this uh, illusion and delusion of your freaking mind, which just whirs nonstop. I mean, uh, you know, the key question I have for people is, do you have a mind, which is something you can control, or are you your mind? So are you your thoughts? Because if you allow your thoughts to run away with you, you can take you to some kind of scary, dangerous places. You know, and as we've been speaking That's about recently, no, it's beautiful. Um, you know, <laughs> do you, let, me, let me just tell you something as one of your dear friends. Don't, you don't, you're fine. You don't have to... There's no, you don't have to come back and go, well, that was, it was great. Um, The more we've talked about this recently, but over time, 
It really is debilitating. Uh, you know, we all, we've referred to this a couple times in the first season of our show. I talked about going through golf hell. Now, the reason I can't go through golf hell anymore is because I, I, I know the difference. I, I, it's like I can't unlearn what I've learned. I'm going to have a day like Charles and like David Duvall. I'm sure I'll have a day when I shoot a much higher number than I feel well, just I, I, when I have a bad round, because I because yeah. you do, but I but I hope like Charles that I can come back the next day and just resume golf because golf is I, it's funny because I sent Charles a note this week on his first round and said hey great plan, um, and then I just briefly described hey I just finished a men's night six birdies and shot seventy two and I said dot 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 golf is hard, golf mm-hmm. is hard, and it's like Buddhists you know would say that first uh, sentence. Um, in the Buddha handbook is life is hard. Life is a struggle. Life is suffering. Life is suffering. Um, Just a couple quick things before we go. One of my favorite Fred Shoemaker uh, drills that I've read, and I'm sure you've done it, it's not the uh, retinal after image drill, look that thing up. But one of the things, (laughs) and and I love this because it's it's such a great um, appetizer of the whole extraordinary golf sort of you know experience. experience and it's the one inch putt <laughs> absolutely yeah do you, do you want to describe it or can i sure sure so go wait. ahead so folks what you do is you put the ball an inch away from the hole put it in and you might reflect on your experience you went well that, obviously that was pretty easy and then you take it and you move it back say six inches six inches yeah and then you take it back another six inches and and most of the time when we're that close there's, there's no thinking it's easy it's just do it but at a certain point, you might you'll experience like you take whoa, uh, take a second look, better stroke the sit, you know, better hit a good stroke or whatever, and that's and that's exactly the point of it is that you just are aware of when you start to think. So what that experience when you're hitting it from one inch six inches and it's like nothing, that's kind of what we call the baseline. That feeling of nothing allow it's just all happening. And if I may, what 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 we're referring to is at one inch, at six inches, at twelve inches, at eighteen inches, you're really not thinking very much. You just like a one inch putt takes absolutely no thought from you because you know it's going in. And so there's this sort of what 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 I love about the drill is that around you, you find out where it is. Is it three feet? Is it two and a half? Is it four feet? Where you start to now have that voice that says, am I lined up correctly? Is this a right edge putt? Do I need to hit this harder or softer? When in reality, at one inch, you were just going bink. At at a foot, you're still just going bink, bink, bink. And then I noticed for me, like a lot of people, I'm sure, at around three and a half feet, it starts to creep in. Then I start to, I notice that I'm different than I was. Absolutely. And so the beauty is, is that once you've experienced that baseline of, We'll call, I love that. We'll call it bink. <laughs> no yeah. thought, flow, easy. Just do it. Is that Then you can start to experience it as you pull the ball further back, further back, further back. Can you be in that lovely bink space of nothingness? <laughs> and I think what it, what, what, it, what it was for me, the epiphany of this year, whether it was reading Hebron's book and talking to him or, you know, experiencing what, what I've experienced in golf this year that is absolutely new and I've been doing this since 1971, is I've had more feeling of freedom over a golf ball than I ever have. There was one pitch shot I made, 
at Cabot Links. Uh, it was a pretty, you know, I'd say a six, seven out of ten. Not the easiest shot. And it was uh, to a raised green. And I just had such freedom through the motion. Because I, I just noticed after that I really wasn't thinking of anything. I, I thought of the target, and I just thought of kind of a swish, swish with my... I don't even know what I was thinking. But I wasn't thinking how to do this. And, and it's funny that that stuck out in my mind because when I... When yeah, I, I hit it close, but it wasn't the point. It was the freedom at which I hit it. I wasn't thinking, can I hit it? Am I going to hit it? Uh, how do I hit it? I just hit it. Like, it, yeah. it had no more meaning than that. And I'll, I'll say that you were probably, you weren't thinking. You were fully in your experience. And what I'll, what I'll say to that is, and this is something that, that obviously I got from Fred Shoemaker, is that I think that as humans, our greatest desire among our base instincts was freedom. Yeah. We want to be free. And and what's the worst thing you can do to a person? Lock them up. I mean, that's why, you know, when you do something egregious in our society, you are put in jail. Your freedom's taken away. So freedom, I think, is that's in many things, that's what we're talking about in this show is how we can experience that freedom. And I will, you know, to me, if we're really, you know, in that experience, if the ball ends up close, that's pretty nice. But I would say the the fantastic part of golf is that just that experience for that few seconds of that of just that freedom. It feels so damn good. And you know what I really connect to, not just from Shoemaker, but in general, is the idea that that even the person listening to us that maybe isn't a single digit handicap, I would just say this. A lot of what I've gone through that was an impediment to better play was I suspected that I needed, I just wasn't, what I knew just wasn't good enough. Right. And I think a lot of golfers feel that. Well, I'm not good enough. That's why I need this swing thought from Michael Breed. Or I'm not good enough, so I need to remember what uh, Martin Hall said about pitching. But, right. but the fact is... You, if you're if you're shooting in the 90s or in the 80s, you're you know everything you need to know. There isn't much more. You, you certainly the motion you're making that hits the ball out there 235 or two, whatever it is is fine. But it's it's the growing and the comfort that I don't really need much else than this. I said to Evershed the other day. I said, you know, I don't have the compulsion, and this is going to sound ridiculous. I just don't have the compulsion anymore to sit and hit hundreds of golf balls. I just don't. Well, know. it doesn't, there's, it's the law of diminishing returns. Exactly. The more you do it, the more you start to go down rabbit holes. Is this the way? Is that the way? Uh, tension, all that stuff. I mean, this, so to some people, this sounds like it's really esoteric, but the science backs this up. Yes, sir. The more you try to control your body by thinking, I need to keep my left wrist firm, uh, hinge my right wrist, or, or accelerate, the more, in fact, you're screwing yourself up because you cause more tension, and actually you, your body slows down. You don't even have that freedom anymore. <laughs> I, and, and, and it's crazy. It is, it's and the fun. more you it, hit balls... Here's the thing. Like, if you see, you know, they do they do this at uh, golf courses. They encourage you to hit a a straight line of divots where you where you practice. Right. And I say the opposite is true. Your divots should be going in all different directions because you shouldn't be hitting the same shot twice. 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Change your targets. Change the type of shot you want to hit. Hit, you know, a, a high draw, a low fade, uh, a stinger, all that stuff. I mean, have fun. At least try. I'm laughing because, you know, for the last couple of years, Charles and I have been better ball partners. I laugh because, you know, I, I, I always pretend like he's just dragging me around like, hey, I brought my dad. It's like, bring your dad to work. Today. Dragging me he's around. dragging me around. Um, but I, I would here's the here's the difference and, and, and I can tell you how I've grown in this particular area. Co so three years ago we're playing and I get to Oakdale an hour and a half before the tea time and I'm and I'm hitting hundreds of balls and chipping an and pitching and, and punting. I'm like maybe even two hours, Tim. Now Charles no, I get it. I get it. Charles shows up fifteen minutes before the tea time, um, stretches maybe half an hour, but basically all he does is stretch I don't even think he hit 10 balls, and, and, but he did his stretching routine. He spent 15 minutes stretching and five minutes hitting golf balls. And I used to look at him. I'm like, you know, does he not take this seriously? Or I totally get that. But Because but he doesn't need to be reminded how to hit a ball. He needs oh. to have his body ready to swing a golf club, which is different. So cut to now, we go to Cabot Links. And I'm um, there, and one of my buddies wants to get there early because he's search. He's, his game is a, is a little bit in flux. I so we get there the range. We're there for an hour. I haven't. I hit twenty golf balls. I spent most of the time stretching my back, having coffee. I hit about six pitching wedges, maybe. I'm, but I because I wasn't looking for it. I was just trying to get ready to play. And and the moral of the story is, you know, when I go to like the other day a men's night. You know, I, I did I did chip and putt because I'm like, that's a skill that I like to keep fairly fresh. But my ability to hit a golf ball isn't different from the other day. I just got to make sure that my back's warmed up and then I can make a full swing without hurting myself. But that yeah, doesn't absolutely. take very many balls. I love that. And one of the greatest uh, I don't know, pieces of experience people can pick up is to know that the practice range is just world apart from the actual golf course and what you do on the range warming up often has nothing to do with how you show up on the golf course so yeah you're way better off to warm your body up and get yourself ready because um, you can have great warm-ups and play badly have horrible warm-ups and play great but I, I, one of my heroes <laughs> and, and it's i recognize this more and more kind of like the older i get and the more I reflect on it is bruce litsky Bruce Litsky yeah. never practiced. I interviewed him back in, gosh, it was like 95 or something like that. And I love talking to this dude. He just knew his swing, which kind of like he had this like little kind of over-the-top move, and he just hit kind of – so he pulled it with a fade. That was his shot. He, he, he didn't do anything else but that. And he, I think he won something like half uh, a dozen PJ Tour events. But anyways, the point is, is that – he never went to the – he might hit three or four balls at the range, chat with some of the guys, never practiced ever. Well, I think the big – and, and Letsky's story is fairly famous in the annals of golf, but I think the, for me the takeaway is he, he decided early on that this was – that he was going to – that what he had was enough. Exactly. And, and, you know, we meet people like that in our lives, and we sometimes wonder, like, why does that guy or girl seem to have it all together? Well, what they have is a, what they figured out before most of us is that what they have is good enough. Absolutely. That, that who they are is enough. Um, 
Because I can tell you, again, you know, back to the Evershed conversation, I tried. Man, I tried. I tried so hard to repeat this motion to to my own mental <laughs> detriment. Oh, no, I totally Cause, get it. Because I, I was so because what frustrated me in golf was I why can't I get this? I'm trying so hard golf. I used to have this whole thing about why does golf hate me? You know, this exactly. is pretty recent. And and then I just decided, you know, there's not a shot that I can't hit. So why don't I just go on the golf course today? And if the golf course wants me to hit a, a low draw, I can do that. I do it all the time on the range for fun. That's the game. It's not trying to repeat the perfect swing. It's trying to t- make, well, listen, it's trying to hit the shot that, that's required. Justin Thomas last week said he had the worst range session of his professional life and went out and shot five under. Two days later, he shot 61. You know, it's like my I always say, past performance has no indication of future results. Yeah, and that, and that and that was my point. The range and the golf course, it might well be Siberia, you know, Siberia versus going to Phoenix. It's just so completely different. Anyway, we've done a lot today. I hope people got something out of it. I don't know if they ever do, but I certainly do. Tim O'Connor. Um, I, I just picked this out for you. This is from uh, Fred Shoemaker's latest book, The uh, Extraordinary Putting. Tomorrow's performance and enjoyment rest on today's learning. There you go. Okay. The guru himself. Upgrade the quality of your awareness, people. Upgrade. (laughs) (laughs) Does that mean plugging yourself into iTunes or something? Yeah. I can you plug yourself plug yourself into iTunes folks and if you're not haven't subscribed to Swing Thoughts do so come on and review and rate us and tell us what you like or even what you don't like come on give us some <laughs> feedback and, and go to our Facebook page too okay so next week we'll uh, report back on the uh, epic battle uh between Blue Springs and uh Glen Karen the cage match and uh I'm really looking forward to uh hanging out with you in person yeah because we haven't done that all year golf wise we yeah. have we hung out on this show and yeah. we each other on zoom but wow we're so way overdue yeah well um yeah we can hang out a little bit on the range i can show you some uh fun uh, little uh i'll show you i'll tell you what i'll do i'll show you a uh you're gonna, you're just gonna probably indulge in gamesmanship not at all you know you're gonna try and like put me off my game yeah, I know you care about your got your bros hey, on the Karen side. I, I'm, I'm, I don't need to put you off your game. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, you're already. Yeah. Oh, see, he's I, already trying, folks. That's that's not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to show you this. Uh, I'm going to show you this little drill. It's not a drill. I shouldn't call it that. An exercise, a training module, if you will. <clears throat> I'm going to show you this training module. That I do. Is this a snippet from your workshop? Yes. I'm going to show you a training module that will blow your mind. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. Look forward to it. Okay, everybody. That's it. Um, Hey, I want to chat with you a little bit, so don't... So we'll end the show. show. We're going to end the show now, and then there's going to be an after... The after show. (laughs) Like, Um, we're going to hang out at the speakeasy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. All right, Sonny Jim. Uh, okay, everybody. Do I play music at the end of this? I can't. I'll, how about Eminem? I'll play. There we go. All right, everybody. See you later. Shush, shush, shush.